now your host. Hello, and welcome to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And again, I want to thank you for making our show one of the most listened to shows on 1640 AM, 620 AM in the tri-state area, and downloaded internationally through the various podcast outlets we are located on. I'm very happy to announce that we have expanded and we are now on WVIP FM 92.3 in the tri-state area, and that is a digital HD, and you could also download that 24-7 nationally and internationally as well. We have a very special show tonight, and I actually made some headlines this week, so rather than doing my usual open, I'm going to share with you two of the interviews that I did regarding a nonpartisan issue that needs bipartisan support, education. So let's get on with the show. Got our guest rounded up for us, Cindy Gross. Cindy, am I saying your last name correctly? It's Cindy Gross. Gross. Okay, got it. Thank you very much. All right. Talk, first of all, you, uh, you've had quite a, uh, a career. You're a former congressional candidate. You're chair of the Jewish Vote GOP. You're a former teacher in Queens. And you also host Cindy's Celebrity Corner. It's a New York-based entertainment show. Talk to us, though, about the teachers' union and what's going on in New York. Well, it's actually going around across the country. Of course. But I am a former teacher, and with all the uh, woke education, critical race theory, and parents upset at the public school failure during COVID, and the teachers' union head, Randy Weingarten, being a very vocal voice to keep schools closed. Now people are finally waking up that there has to be change. I was a teacher in one of the most corrupt districts in Queens, New York, where there were many issues with uh, staff members, where in my building there was issues with safety, uh, where there were uh, violations to providing services appropriately and working with ACS. And I had contacted then the New York uh, United Federation of Teachers President, Randy Weingarten, because something came across to me that I found very scary, which was on the New York Department of Board of Education's email, business email, minority staff members were busy passing around and forwarding a multi-page email calling white women docile and easy. And that was one of many pieces of paper that got my way or discussion about anti-Semitic, racist discrimination. I have plenty more. When I approached the president, her response to me was, where did I get this? Seen it many times, but did nothing to try to stop it. So now when we have kids in their 20s that are now young adults who feel entitled and mm-hmm. angry and look at progressives for answers, we now know why, because yeah. our tax dollars That's are right. paying for this. That's right. That's right. You're 100% correct. Our, our tax dollars have paid for the literal, I call it brainwashing and indoctrination of our kids, Cindy. And worse than that, Republicans have helped with it because no one has really stopped it. In 2015, when Donald Trump...
Trump, and I am a big Trump supporter. I ran as a pro-Trump candidate, and I am working with candidates 2022 that support the thank America you. First agenda. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, that when he ran and said he wanted to eliminate the Department of Education, I was all for it because I knew what was going on, and I was a whistleblower. My legal rights to avoid retaliation and have my confidentiality uh, kept were deliberately tampered with by a corrupt administration hmm. with the help of the teachers' union representation. So they and we have documentation to prove it. So, I have. So that, that you, you talk about corrupt. This is this is just one. And you're right when you said first off, Cindy, that this isn't going on just in New York. It goes on across the country. Literally, this this is like corruption at its deepest core if you would i mean th- th- these are the types of things that you hear about in mob you know mob families and mob movies am i right well the principal of my particular school was arrested for stealing money from the housing authority hmm. and because she was an, a black woman she was allowed to keep her job basically she was sitting out for a year with like a basic slap on her hand wow then she wrote on a calendar that CP time is not allowed here. Now, most I didn't know what that was, and most people I know don't know, but it's colored people's time. Mm. And when even the uh, black and Hispanic minority family members complained to the Board of Education, the superintendent, who was later arrested for uh, sexual, abuse, uh, sexual uh, conduct that was inappropriate, he actually just wrote a letter to her file. Imagine me as a white woman writing CP time is not accepted here. This would have been the front page yep. of the Daily News yep. and the New York Times yep. and the Washington Post. So I, I, did, I did not stop my mission to improve education, especially in minority communities. I work. I am the Jewish advisor on the National Diversity Coalition for Trump. I know the work that uh, the president has done with the minority communities. I see what's going on now in four months. It scares me to think that this is going down so fast. And Jewish Vote GOP is a grassroots group nationally. We're having a meeting Monday night with Vernon Jones. Your guests are more than welcome to contact me and join the Zoom. But people have to start getting aware of what's going on on local, state, and national elections. They think it's 2022. 2021 local elections are going to ter- determine your local infrastructure, right. streets, right. libraries, right. schools. You are correct. And people are waking up. We talk about that on this program, Cindy, all of the time. And, yes, while the big elections are important, 2022, 2024, we get it. Those are very important, and we're not trying to minimize those any way, shape, or form. But it really is, Cindy, if you really want to get down to it, the things that affect us the most as Americans are those local elections you're talking about right now. Those are the things that really set the stage when it comes to everything from, you know, what is your property tax going to be to how are your kids being taught to do your potholes get fixed. Correct. And don't think if your kids go to public school or private school, your tax dollars aren't going to it because private schools use the materials. You know, they use the textbooks that are distorting American history. You know, they won't discuss in a public school with the teachers' unions that September 
uh, you know, September of 2001 was the act of radical Islamic terrorists looking to hurt Americans. There are all kinds of other fairy tales, but that's the truth. And it's coming up on the 20th anniversary, and now we have kids that do, did not live through that yeah. day yeah. and did not see it. No, you're you're exactly right. So when it comes, and we've seen this lately, and I'm glad you're on today, Cindy, because there's been a lot of uh, video clips, even in the last you know, week to two, showing individuals standing up to their school board, literally standing up to their school board and saying, enough is enough, we're tired, we're not going to allow this any longer. Your timing of you know being on the program today you know ties right into what's going on there. What is the best way for folks that are listening, whether they have kids or not, to get involved and say enough is enough? How do they do that? First of all, they can reach out to me directly. And for years, no one wanted to hear my story from you know any kind of mainstream media because they feared the teachers' union. Uh-huh. But parents are waking up. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me. I will tell you some of the simple things. You go to your local district offices and you demand to see the curriculum and you get copies of the textbook and you take turns on reading it with your friends who think like you and find all the inaccuracies. Hmm. The second thing you do is you contact and you get to know personally because local level people you can get to know very well. And you tell them from either party, they're not going to stand for it. And the third thing is you start to look at your 2022 campaigns and look for grassroots groups like mine because that's what's going to make the difference. The one thing that Trump always says that I have said for years is that Democrats know how to organize better than Republicans. Yes, yes. Patriots are much better organized. Yep. And I saw this, you know, in my own election. I'm working with people now every single day, including from your state of Colorado, I am getting a load of phone calls from people. How can we get involved? They've read my work for years, and they know I am not going to stop. I am just beginning to fight, and I would love each and every one of your listeners to join me in this. This is awesome, Cindy. I know. And by the way, everybody, it's Cindy Gross, and it's G-R-O-S-Z, G-R-O-S-E. Cindy, real quick, is there a website where folks can go learn more about you and all of this and get involved? This is my entertainment where I, I actually am on. I actually started an entertainment show because I do a lot of work with celebrities, and I didn't want to cancel culture. And unlike other media, I actually have on the most progressive artists, actors, celebrities, along with those that are often ignored, the most conservative friends of ours, because I want people to see we can work together. But I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, and I'm, I'm... my emails are there as well. I am looking to work with you again and with each and every one of your listeners. The battle has just begun, but we're going to win it this time because this education is a nonpartisan issue that needs bipartisan support. I agree. I also know that and from reading some about you, and I am, and people that have listened to me for any length of time at all know that I you know where I stand on this. Let me just say it that way. I am a huge, huge, huge proponent 
for school vouchers. I believe it is one of the keys to getting the public schools fixed because competition breeds excellent, and right now they do not have any competition. Yeah, you could say they do with you know, charter schools and some parochial schools and so on. But really, Cindy, you and I both know until there's the ability for a parent to decide where they can send their their kid to school, not based upon the financial need, but if they have a voucher where they can send them anywhere they want to, that gives a public school competition. We have to have that. And just remember these two words that you don't hear in America, but you hear it in countries where education is outranking America, and that is parent accountability. Mm. Until parents take responsibility for the mm. students that they Amen. are bringing into these schools, you are never going to have a system that works. Amen. You are you're a woman after my own heart. You say all the same things I say on a regular basis. In fact, Cindy, I will tell you here, about, oh, I don't know, a month and a half, two months ago, I got all over the conservative parents out there by saying exactly what you just said a moment ago, and I took some flack for it because some folks don't like being called out, including some of our own. But you know what? I'm going to keep doing it because I don't care. That's how we fix it. And I have a lot of Democratic parents who are supporting me, a lot of minorities who are stuck in these schools and can't seem to get a way out, and they want to know how to do it. So if you think for everybody who's listening that you're alone, you're not alone, and you can join the team and feel very welcome and comfortable. Perfect. All right, Cindy, I, I'm going to let you go. I've taken a lot of your time today. You're welcome, though, any time. I, you, I will have you back. This is great. Again, you and I are on exactly the same wavelength when it comes to education. We have to get this stuff fixed. If we don't, we lose the country. Absolutely, and it was a pleasure, and I look forward to speaking with you again. Appreciate it very much, Cindy. Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. Just ask Joseph M. from Brooklyn. Remax IQ made it easy. No for sale sign. I had offers in days. I saved $10,000 in commission and I was in contract fast. If you're thinking of selling, Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com slash disclaimer. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. In addition to talking about education this week, this week also celebrated National Best Friends Day, Best Friends Week, BFF Day, and my show's guest in the entertainment field today all represent friendships. Our first team are real BFFs, and they're going to talk about their story of loyalty, friendship, and respect. And we are going to have later on in the show somebody who starred in a TV show that was all about friendship, Don Most. So coming up, Toby Rubenstein and Elizabeth Sutton. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And as I mentioned in my opening, I want to cherish special friendships and I want to honor them because we are honoring this week best friends. And I can't think of two people I would rather have showcase on my show this week 
than Elizabeth Sutton, the very famous artist who is making international, uh, her name is internationally known for all of her artwork, her accessories, and her good friend, Toby Rubenstein, the author of the brand new book, The House of Faith and Fashion. And uh, we're honored to have you both here. First of all, Toby, your book is such a great read for every fashionista from every background. Both of you, welcome to the show. But I want to ask Toby first a little bit about what made you decide to write this book. What made me decide to write this book? Well, um, I, I probably have been residing in the House of Faith and Fashion my entire life. Um, and um, I evolved into now being able to say, you know what, I'm going to write this book because I'm at a stage in my life where I could put all my experiences down in these pages. And it might be somewhat controversial to put faith and fashion together in, in, um, in a book and actually have a fashionable way and a glamorous way to learn all about Judaism and how deep and wonderful it is through the venue of fashion and being it's my unique lane and at this stage in my life, just completely qualified to do so in both these, in both these angles, faith and fashion, being in the fashion business for over 40 years and have honed in my faith and been a Revitson and have been ordained myself. I finally feel that, you know, I'm qualified to have this unique house that was built, especially for me called the house of faith and fashion and I welcome everybody in the doors of it to understand how incredibly beautiful the Judaism really is. So I should tell everybody that I had the pleasure and the uh, opportunity to work with you on a very special episode of The Real Housewives of New York during New York Fashion Week yep. when uh, Inbal Dora had her uh, dress featured in uh, John Medazian's um, dry cleaning establishment on the Upper East Side. And it, it was Madame Paulette. That's mm-hmm. right, Madame Paulette. That was a mm-hmm. few years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, you have, an, you know, your fashion uh, knowledge and work has gone way past the, the uh, Jewish crowd, the religious yes. crowd. And yes. Elizabeth, you also are so successful, and you are a proud Jewish girl. And uh, you've also, your art, your your bags, your accessories, all have gone beyond the Jewish world. Share with my um, audience a little bit about Elizabeth Sutton's collection, because, I mean, you are now written up in Fortune magazine and in all the uh, major business magazines, as well as just the art world. So, I mean, I am a self-taught artist, designer, entrepreneur, single mother of two. I did the whole, uh, went to uh, modern Orthodox Yeshiva growing up, got married young at 21, had two kids, and then uh, decided I wanted a different life for myself. I wasn't happy. I accidentally started to paint uh, before that I was raising kids and being a good mom and housewife. And down that path, it, I didn't find it ful- fully fulfilling, and I uh, ended up on this art path and design career. I went through a lot of loss. Um, I became a lot less religious in my opinion, but much more spiritual and faithful, which is kind of, Toby and I have a lot in common. We were talking about friendship, including the fact that we're wearing the exact same color shirt right now. I'm a fine artist. I paint my, I have, you know, celebrity collectors, Pitbull, Andrea Bocelli, the Kardashians have my work. 
Kendall Jenner. Um, but I also have, I design a lot of different products. I have tile collections that won Best in Show at the two largest hospitality conventions in the United States, wallpaper, fashion accessories, little girls accessories, chair. Uh, oh, I'm sitting on one of my chairs right now. Um, desk chairs, I design buildings, um, home accessories, a lot of things and a lot of things, puzzles, they're all coming out, rugs, you name it. Um, but uh, I definitely, this was all relatively new. I only started working six years ago and uh, I have a podcast. I have media assets. I have a lifestyle blog. I get no sleep, obviously. And you look great. I got a blowout, so I did not feel like I looked horrible. And I have to, after this, anybody follows you and I do, you also cook, you entertain, and you are, I think your most important job is proud mommy. My mother, my, my kids, I mean, being a mother, correct. I have the two cutest little kids ever that are not just cute, but are extremely good humans because I put a lot of effort into them. And it's more like quality versus quantity with me because they, they get a certain amount of time. So I try and make sure that it's very effective time to teach them the right things, hard lessons. I definitely instill faith and spirituality and for sure Judaism um, into them. I'm probably a lot more, you know, religious than religious people, to be honest. But even though like I kind of make up my own rules to a degree, but uh, because the book cover has such an amazing story to it. And I don't know how, much you discuss about it, Toby. And uh, I mean, it's something that is so wonderful and is such an example. And Mm. whether or not you're Jewish or not, it's the faith and it's the feeling and the pride that both of you have, whether or not you're Jewish or you are Christian or whatever faith you are, if you have a belief in a God and you have a belief in yourself and a belief in friendship, then this is an inspiration for anyone. So you want to tell the story, I guess, started off Toby and then Elizabeth just chime in. Yeah. Um, Toby remembers better than me, actually. Well, actually, probably, you know, the, the Elizabeth is on the cover of this book and she's, she's channeling the essence of me. Um, and what's so wonderful how she captured this and I'll, I'll start the story and then Elizabeth's going to take the story away. Um, I, um, I thank God have just finished a battle with stage four, um, uterine cancer. Um, but when I was initially diagnosed, um, and I was, this was not, this was not anything that I expected. Um, and I was not prepared for it. And before I went in for my first chemotherapy treatment, which was immediately because it's stage four, the doctors don't give you much time to contemplate what you want to do. Um, I was, I was besides myself to say the least. I mean, I was just unprepared emotionally. Everything that I had learned and I had worked on myself went out the window because it was such severe news. And I was on the phone with Elizabeth and she said, she listened to me, you know, she listened to me, you know, and, and go on with, you know, go on with what I was going through. And she said, okay, stop it. We are going to design the cover of the book right now. So what do you, what do you mean right now? Yes. We're going to come up with the concept right now and, and you'll see, you're going to love it. And this girl with her, you know, she doesn't need to be on the cover of my book. She's a substantial force on her own. I mean, she is a brand extraordinaire. 
And that's what Elizabeth Sutton really is. For her to say, okay, I'm stopping everything. I'm throwing all my clothes on the floor and all, all my bags and all the, and your, and your obsession with shoes. And she knew exactly what, you know, and how, how you're going to dress. She had her assistant climb up on a ladder, take a picture and say, okay, send it to me. And the concept was so perfect. I really, I, I started to cry. It was, it was, it was so emotional because that was exactly what I needed. Like Toby, move on with your life. And then we shot the the actual photo. Elizabeth, take it away. So actually, I don't even think people can fully appreciate how much work went into this cover. Yes. First and foremost, I hand painted that book. Right? We yes. Up with the concept, which was going to be like that. We we by we, I mean I and you from afar through the phone. We're going to be sitting in a puddle of like sequin rainbow colored clothing in a big mess scattered very well balanced but scattered with boxing gloves and but that we wanted to have a book that wasn't necessarily just related to Judaism that could apply to people of all faiths and I I had it I wanted it to pop so I ordered a black book and I hand painted the word faith on the cover and I used to box and you know a lot of Toby's message is about resilience and you know strength and getting through hard times through creativity which is why when she was you know, not bitching, but like talking to me about her stresses in life. Um, the way that I have coped through my stresses is I'm productive and I try and distract my brain. So, um, which is why I'm so, why, why I've achieved so much. I have so many problems. <laughs> so, um, you know, we wanted to incorporate that message of strength. So I chose, you know, my clutches um, that represented the right message. You see one that says strong boxing gloves. There's actually a Tzedakah box over here that says good vibes only, but I guess it got a little crop, but this is like a Tzedakah box. Yeah, so there was a lot of meaning to um, every every single aspect. And first I had to state, uh, you can't, you don't know this, but I have a two, like my apartment's two floors and like this amount of clothing probably weighs like, I'm not kidding, probably like 300 pounds. It's all sequins. It's like the heaviest clothing and shoes and clutches. So we actually staged the whole thing to come up with the concept, show her. She approved it. We cleaned it all up. And then we scheduled an actual photo shoot. And it was a long day. I got a little sick after it. But it was, that's what you do for friends, right? Like, that's, that's, that's what you but, do. But, you know, I have, to, I have to chime in and tell you that the, for me, when this, when, this, um, when this cover was shot, I was in Mount Sinai Hospital, hooked up to an IV of chemotherapy for six hours, on FaceTime, on my phone, watching this photo shoot being done as my doctor's looking over and saying, I can't believe you're shooting a cover of a book while you're having chemotherapy. That's like, that's like insane. Who's doing this for you? And I said, you don't understand the kind of, the kind of strength that's being, that I'm surrounded with by my friends, Elizabeth, Elizabeth being, you know, so involved in, in, in making sure that this book and this cover represented everything you know I could say the kishkis inside of me not just the not just the outside but the inside and it came out it was beyond my expectations and it is exactly what I wanted to convey in this book it's happy but there you know you go through life you have to put on your boxing gloves and you fight your way through till you get to that sequin ball gown that you could wear to an occasion and be happy. So and you sometimes you still have to wear the gloves while you're in the ball gown. Of course, that's you know that's what makes it fun. So uh, first, Elizabeth, tell our uh, listeners where they could find 
you have beautiful artwork, you, you know, the endless products that you, you named, then uh, how they could reach out to you. I mean, Elizabeth, I should tell everybody, Elizabeth's products are in all range price ranges. So there is something for everyone and something for every age group, perfect gifts, Mother's Day gifts and, you know, bridal shower gifts, birthday gifts. Where can they find you? Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, at Elizabeth Sutton Collection is my Instagram handle. I'm very active on there across the board. So you can like follow a lot of my journey, my products um, and my artwork. My prints are available on Elizabeth Sutton, S-U-T-T-O-N dot com. And my recipes, my lifestyle blog, that is Elizabeth Sutton Collection dot com. And uh, my designs are for sale in a lot of places, Saks, Neiman's, Nordstrom's. But ElizabethSutton.com has the breadth. Reach out for custom commissions. Um, I want to paint Judaica. So I really want people who are going to commission Judaica. I, I want to keep, uh, you know, advocating for Israel, but I need to stay in my lane and do it through my work. So putting that out there into the universe. <laughs> and where can we buy the book, Toby? You could buy the book on, in my website, thehouseoffaithandfashion.com or on Amazon, Kindle, and Barnes & Noble. And if you're in Jerusalem, you go to the Pomerantz Bookstore. I can't thank both of you enough for celebrating Best Friends Week with this story of inspiration because so many people today are so concerned about friendships in the climate we live in. And there is hope. There is a future. But you got to be a friend first before anything can happen. So, Toby, Elizabeth, thank you for joining Cindy's Celebrity Corner. And you're welcome back into our corner anytime. New projects, new shows, et cetera. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, you've heard about Randy Weingarten. She is the president of the American Federation of Teachers, the second largest teachers union in America. Uh, new emails uh, resurfaced showing that uh, Weingarten was dismissing racism in New York schools. Corruption, critical race theory, anti-white, anti-Semitic racism aren't new in New York public schools. An award-winning teacher, Cindy Gross, has been fighting it for years, blowing the whistle on racist language used by the principal at the schools where she worked after exposing other corruption. Just the latest indication of big problems in our big schools. Teaching kids to hate America, which is bizarre. Who would allow this to go on? What parent allows their kids to be told America sucks? Nobody would allow this. And yet it goes on every day because you have these school districts that just run over the parents. You need to speak up and be heard. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. I want to give you a history lesson here because I think that we all need it. And we all need to see that there are people out there that are courageous to stand up. I shared with you yesterday a teacher in Loudoun County, Virginia, because they're having a big discussion over critical race theory. So I shared with you the comments from a teacher yesterday in Loudoun County, uh, Virginia. Well, today, the big history lesson comes from a woman who survived Mao and the Cultural Revolution and now lives in Loudoun County, right there in Virginia. Here's what she says about critical race theory and what it's doing to America. Here's your history lesson for today, and please share this with everyone. Listen. I've, I've been very alarmed about what's going on in our school. You are now teaching, training our children to be social justice warriors and to loathe our country and our history. Uh, growing up in Mao's China, all this seemed very familiar. 
the uh, communist regime used the same critical theory to divide people. The only difference is they use class instead of race. During the Cultural Revolution, I witnessed students and teachers again turned against each other. We changed school names to be politically correct. Um, we were taught to denounce our heritage. The Red Guards destroy anything that is not communist. Old uh, statues, books, and anything else. <clears throat> we are also encouraged to report on each other, just like the uh, Student Equity Ambassador Program and the Bias Reporting System. This is indeed the American version of the Chinese communist, the Chinese Cultural Revolution. The critical race theory has its roots in cultural Marxism. It should have no place in our schools. Critical race theory has its roots in cultural Marxism. Exactly. That's the problem. That's why it should never be taught in American schools. As the woman aptly pointed out, who survived Mao's cultural revolution. In China, they turned students against students, students against teachers, families against families, dividing families, dividing communities, dividing people against each other, which is exactly what they're doing here over and over again. It seems to go on over and over again. And as I said, you've got an award-winning teacher standing up to say, no, we're not going to do this. Cindy Gross is here joining us now to talk more about this and the corruption in the schools and the problems with critical race theory and the problems with corruption with Randy Weingarten and everybody else. Cindy, good to have you here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I am a former school teacher because I was a whistleblower. And when they did not like when I was calling out all the problems, that were within the school that were violating the regulations from the chancellor and from uh, mandated state and federal law, they didn't like it. And the number one target against me was, it seemed to be Randy Weingarten. Well, Randy Weingarten, though, has exposed herself for being corrupt and dishonest and intellectually dishonest to, to boot. Uh, why, but I want to dig, why do we allow these school districts to teach our kids to hate America, to hate each other, to divide ourselves. Why are we allowing this to happen? So I will tell you from my experience that, you know, before COVID, the headlines every day, especially in Democratic run uh, local and state governments, there were safety issues in schools with failing. There were all kinds of cheating scandals. There were local elected officials, like in my district, in my school where I taught, multiple state assemblies, state senators were arrested and or were in jail or are sitting in jail for corruption. But these are the people that the teachers' unions endorse and support. Randy, in 2006, uh, there was, through the New York Department of Education's email address, a forwarded uh, email that called white women docile and easy. When I actually sent this to Randy Weingarten, her response was, where did I get it? Seen it all the time and blew it off and then made an attempt every what way to, you know, avoid me and, you know, have issues brought up against me where there should have been, I've seen this, I'm trying to work on it. And the problem is two things. Our failing school systems compared to the world, we don't have parent accountability like they do in other countries. Right. And the other thing is endorsements to uh, politicians with lots of money, even Republicans. And there's the they problem. 
There's the problem. You endorse politicians, you bring the union vote to the politician, and they give them whatever they want. But I still don't understand why they teach children to hate each other. Uh, but here, uh, you uncovered not just this uh, attack on white teachers, and white women in, in particular, but CP time. Uh, you found blatant racism in some of these emails. Tell us about that. So the, well, the principal principal in the school I was at was arrested for stealing money from the housing authority, was basically put in a rubber room situation for a year and came back, then had this scandal, had my lawsuit. I have one of the longest running lawsuits ongoing. I still cannot get what seems to be my completed discovery. This is in New York State Supreme Court, and I cannot get my case moving. Uh, and where else but in a school system where they are pushing this idea of uh, minority administration, would this happen over and over again? If you actually stole money from your bosses, you would be fired. If you wrote CP Time, I wrote CP Time as a white Jewish woman, I would be fired. Uh, just so and people understand, by the way, these were comments made by... Um, some black teachers, from what I understand reading this, CP time means colored person time or colored people time, meaning they're late. And I, I, I don't know, I'm not familiar with the term until I saw these articles, but CP time apparently refers to um, people being late people. Uh, to class, right? Yes, Cor correct. And there was all of this going on. And th while they were doing that, uh, there were other remarks made against me as a Jewish woman and other teachers. There was another teacher in my school district that was fired. He was a, a white man. His principal, who was uh, black and who also had a lot of issues ongoing questioning his uh, professionalism, actually told the, prince, uh, the teacher, a white man cannot help little black boys. Let me, yeah, which is outrageously offensive on every level. Let me just ask you this. We had 20 seconds. Where do we start to clean up this mess that is the American education system in many places? Where do we start? Well, first of all, people have got to get involved in their local school boards and local elections Bingo. in 2021. You can reach out to me. I have a grassroots national group, Jewish Vote GOP. I'm also helping people with the education issues to get involved locally. Jewish Vote GOP. Cindy Gross, uh, a loud voice. I hope your case gets moving. I hope we get to get to some resolution on that. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Are you looking to update your branding and your business? Double G Designs works remotely with all businesses to create logos for stationery, business cards, social media posts, banners and posters, and all your needs for brand development. Gina Gelato has years of experience offering affordable logos to manufacturers, brand ambassadors, and party planners. She can be reached through her Instagram account and through her website, www.ginagelato.com. That is www.ginagelato.com. I use her for my business, and I can tell you, I have gotten many compliments on my logo branding. That's Gina Gelato, double G, designs.com. Welcome back to Cindy Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Joining us now is somebody that you know for years. You first got to know him as Ralph Mouth on the hit show Happy Days. 
And as we're talking about friendships, there was nothing like the four guys of happy days being loyal to each other. And we can actually learn a little bit of lessons if we watch the reruns about what loyalty and friendships are. Welcome to the show, Don Most. Thank you, Cindy. Very nice to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, I've been following you these days, and it seems to be that not only these days happy for you, but they're super busy. Congratulations. You just won an acting award. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yes. Thanks. Um, I, I did a movie called Lost Heart. Oh, I did it like over a year ago. Um, but with COVID, everything, it was a little delayed. So it came out on Amazon Prime fairly recently. And, um, and then it was submitted to a big festival, the ICFF, which is the uh, International Christian Film Festival. And um, I was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a Feature Film for their festival. And um, so I just went down there actually about three weeks ago. And um, I was very fortunate. I, I actually won, uh, won the award for Best Supporting Actor. So that was really lovely. It was a um, nice surprise and uh, made for a pleasant evening. <laughs> Well, uh, one thing I'm finding out about you is that you have your hand in every area of entertainment. You're involved with music. You're involved with live. You're involved with film. Tell us about your musical uh, events going on. Sure. Um, Yeah, well, I did go, as you alluded to, I went went back to uh, what I call my first love uh, because I started out pursuing singing when I was very young, before I really got into acting. I was performing in a nightclub review up in the Catskill Mountains in New York, upstate. The summer I was turning 15 years old, I was doing that. And then I switched gears into acting, my focus. But um, I, I decided seven years ago to go back to doing some of the music that I've always loved, which is the great standards, the, the jazz standards, the great American songbook. And, and I, so I started doing it all around you know, in LA and New York and then other parts of the country and have a CD out called The Most Mostly Swinging um, with a great big band. And I'm going to be performing with a big band um, a week from tomorrow at a jazz festival here in Southern California. It's called the Muck Jazz Festival in Fullerton. And um, I'm really looking forward to it because I haven't been able to perform live. It's been well over a year with, with, with the pandemic. So this will be my first time out uh, since. So I'm very excited about it. And um, it will be great to get up there with, with a big band and, 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 and belt out some of those great songs. So you mentioned the Catskill Mountains. Is that where you grew up in New York? I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. But, um, but uh, you know, the Catskills wasn't too far away. It was um, actually I spent my summers upstate New York. My grandparents had a summer house up um, Upstate New York, it was probably, it was called Lake Mohegan, not too far from Peekskill and Yorktown, Bear Mountain and uh, West Point, in that general area. So um, from there to, to the Catskills was, I don't know, less than an hour drive probably. Um, so that was a fun summer for me, to, you know, being 15 years old and performing in the nightclubs at the hotels up there. That was a trip. <laughs> so have you been there recently? No, um, I haven't been there. I know, you know, most of those hotels are gone. I, there might be one or two left, I think, is what I've heard. And 
Well, the hotel's there, but it's now really a popular area, especially since COVID and people were looking to escape from Manhattan. Those areas have grown in a different way. But speaking of growing up, we've got to talk about happy days. What does happy days mean to you? Oh, my God. Uh, They were certainly happy days. I mean, it was an incredible experience getting to work with wonderful, wonderful people. Um, and we created, you know, let, it created many great friendships, as you were talking about friendships as a theme. And, and, and that was a big part of what made our show successful, was that we genuinely grew to, to be great friends and love each other. And, and it was that chemistry and camaraderie and respect that we had for each other that was a big contribution, I think, to the show's success. Um, because we, you know, and, and the characters were, were great friends and, and we all became great friends for real. So, Are you still in touch with any of them? Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, I was just uh, texting with Anson Williams uh, and I'm going to see him tomorrow. Um, so uh, we're great friends. We're best friends. And um, we're probably tighter now than we were even back then. And, um, and Ron and I were messaging each other last week. He's, he's in Australia. It's tough to, you know, I don't get to see him as often, but we stay in touch. And um, Henry and Marion, I've, I've kept in touch with uh, quite a bit. So, yeah, you know, we were like family. And, of course, the show, the creation of Gary Marshall, such a legend. I mean, you guys are probably one of the first with Gary Marshall before Pretty Woman and, and a whole new generation got to know uh, Gary Marshall. Yeah, and before the movies that he started hitting with, um, he had had success uh, right before Happy Days with um, The Yacht Couple, which was his show. He was the exec producer of that show. And then before that, he was one of the head writers on the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, but you're right, it was after Happy Days that then he started moving into film and, and, and audiences got to know him very well from all those great movies. So you did. said film. I I don't know if I, I lost count if it was like three or four films. You have so many projects going on. Tell us a little bit about them. You mentioned, of course, you, uh, the award you won on Amazon. Tell us about some of the others. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Lost Heart, as I mentioned, is on Amazon Prime. There's another film I did a year prior to that one with the same film company, and it's called um, Man's Best Friend, or MBF. And it's a pretty dramatic piece about a, 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 a vet, uh, a Marine comes back injured, trying to assimilate into civilian life and something happens, which I don't want to divulge, but he, I become his defense attorney and it's a very pretty intense movie and a very different role, which I love. Um, I also just did a film in the Czech Republic. Uh, the, the, the title is still up in the air, but I play a king. So there's this whole sort of, you know, medieval um, fairy tale section of the movie and I play a king in that and um there's a short film it's not even that short it's almost like full full length which is going to be coming out soon it's called when George got murdered and it deals with the with the the George Floyd case the murder and and um so that was a heavy heavy project and um I'm I'm posting a trailer for that today so people can come to my Facebook page and they'll see the trailer it's pretty pretty powerful and who are you playing at that? I play one of the prison guards um, at the prison where Derek Chauvin is being held. 
So um, it's it's very interesting film. And um, and then now I'm getting ready in about a week to go to uh, North Carolina to do another movie. It's called County Line, No Fear. Uh, starring Tom Wopat and Casper Van Dien and Patricia Richardson and a bunch of other great people. So, um, yeah, I love that things, you know, I think as I've gotten, it was very tough for me when I first left Happy Days. I left four years before the show ended because I knew I needed to try to make a break because as much as I loved working with the people, I've been doing that role for seven years and I wanted to have longevity as in, in the business as an actor. And, and it was hard breaking away from it for quite some time, but, you know, I kept plugging away and, and it started opening up little by little. And, and I think getting older has helped because I'm not a teenager. I can't play that anymore. And um, there's more separation from the show in terms of the time and distance from the show. So people are uh, more open to putting me in other kinds of roles and, and um, I've been getting some good work out there. So it's, it's starting to really come in with, uh, which I'm loving. I, I feel like I'm just touching the surface of a whole new phase. So I'm getting exhausted just listening to everything going on. What do you do to rest? <laughs> well, um, music, you know, I, the music that I, I love, that's great therapy for me and relaxation and, and spending time with my wife. Um, and I, recently we got to see our daughters because with COVID, we hadn't been able to see them. They live out of, in different states. So we just had some really nice visiting time with them. So that was that was very well needed and restful and therapeutic. So I assume that you are always stopped on the street. Ah, there's Ralph from Happy Days. And how do you feel when people do that? Well, it doesn't happen as much as it used to in the past. Um, and a combination of the show when it was, you know, a big hit and 50 million people were watching us on Tuesday nights, you know, or more because there was no internet, there was no cable. Um, so there's not as, you know, big a portion of the population watching us now, uh, although it's in reruns. So I still get it from time to time. And um, it's, it's nice. It's, you know, I, I appreciate it. I probably appreciate it more now than when I was younger because then it was out of control. It was very hard to, to navigate that and manage that. Um, now it's just sort of um, a nice little treat, you know, when it happens. And, and people, a lot of times they'll, they'll know me from other things I'm doing now. Right. Great. So it's not just that. Well, that's true too. So uh, do you think a show like Happy Days could actually be a success today? Um, That's a good question. You you mean like a, a redoing it with a different cast it could be that way, or even as it was on a ABC, like you said, you had 50 million people on ABC, and really ABC was like, there was nothing like ABC in the 70s when you guys were on. Right. Well, I mean, to do it, I, I don't know if that, how, how it would work doing it with a whole new cast and redoing the show. That's tough, because I think it was such a unique blend of characters and, and, ta- and talent that was assembled for that, and it was lightning in a bottle to some degree. But, but, you know, to take some of the characters and see, see like, what is Patsy and Ralph doing now and, and Mrs. C and, you know, may, maybe there could be, some, if it was clever, if it was well-written, you know, and we have kids and that sort of thing. So, and actually, uh, 
we were talking to a, a, a writer, a producer about this, who, who thinks that uh, that could be something there. So who knows? We'll see. I mean, besides Friends, you guys are also in that kitchen, the Cunningham kitchen constantly, and, and that family feeling. And I think a lot of people are craving that again. Definitely. Yeah, they are. You're right, especially during these times. It is the right time for that. And even before COVID, when I would go around on personal appearances and, and whatnot, one of the biggest things that would come up was people would say how much they, they loved the show because they could watch it with the whole family. And, and they'd all, you know, would unite them, different generations, grandkids, the grandparents, the parents, and they wanted more shows like that. And, and like what you just mentioned, I think even now, now it's even people feeling that even more so that the need for that kind of uh, the bonding and, and the friendships, the loyalty, and, and the just good, good feelings, warm feelings that we get from a show like that. Do your kids watch it? Oh, well, my kids are grown. You know, it was funny when, when they were young and, and uh, the reruns would come on and uh, they, they didn't have much interest. Like I said, oh, look, daddy's on TV. You know, you want to watch? And they go, no, not really. And they weren't really too interested, um, which was fine. Then when they were in middle school and it was on Nickelodeon or, and, uh, you know. TV, TV land. TV land. And all their friends were talking about it. That's when they had curiosity and then they wanted to watch it. So then I sat and watched most of the episodes with them during that period. So that was really nice. That's probably fun. And, you know, even though they don't say, I guess their friends all knew that, you know, their father was on one of the most uh, historic comedies of all time. Uh, Well, you certainly keep yourself busy. So one last question before, except for Ralph, what would you say is your favorite role that you've had? Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's such a tough one. Um, I might have to say that the one that I just won that award for, uh, Lost Heart, um, it was a beautifully written script and the role was, was, was a great role and, and exquisitely written. And, um, and I really dove into it and, um, and I, I play a small town pastor, but he's a little different. He's not your sort of conventional, uh, what you think of as a pastor. He's, a little has his own little eccentricities about him, um, and it's it's a it's one of those movies that we're talking about that you would watch with the family. It's there's dramatic parts to it, but there's also a lot of comedy, and a lot of heart, and there's some mystery, and it's fun, and um, and, and at the end, it's a real, really great feel good movie. So um, I, I'd say I would have to rank up my role as my, as Milo the pastor in um, Lost Heart as is one of my up there with happy days. So you talk about friends and all these projects, you must come back. And of course, bring your friends with you. We would love to have all of you. When I told my audience that I was having you as a guest, everybody was so excited and it was multi-generational because like you said, it started on channel seven and then it went to TV land. And of course, if you go to the Smithsonian, you see the Fonzie jacket. So everybody knows Happy Days. So um, tell my audience where they can find you. Like you mentioned, you have a Facebook page. Where can they get all the updates of all your exciting projects? Um, So, yes, on Facebook, it's under Don Most. 
I have a music page under Don Most and my personal page. And on Twitter, it's at most underscore Don. And then, um, yeah, at most underscore Don. And then Instagram is Don Most One. And I have a website that um, I have been woefully neglecting. So I need to update it. And I'll try to do that very soon. It's uh, donnymost.com. But there's a lot of stuff on so there. So you go by Donnie or Don? Well, uh, either one. Uh, for my billing, like when I'm doing m- movies and TV, I go by Don. But otherwise, people, you know, I'll answer to both. <laughs> it was such a pleasure to have you on Cindy Celebrity Corner. You really epitomize friendship, family, and uh, so, like I said, so many people listening were so excited that you were coming on. So uh, we just want to keep sharing happy days, present and future with you. And uh, thank you for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner. Cindy, it was a pleasure. Thank you again for having me. I, I enjoyed it very much. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And just like that, the hour flew by. I promised you great guest, great conversation, and lots of information to think about. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please let me know what you think. You can reach out to me through my website, Cindy's Corners, and email me through there. Or you can reach me and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Never miss an episode. Download it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Jewish Podcast. And you can also listen to us through the TalkLine Radio Networks. Thank you for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner where all our angles and points meet and where you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy the Celebrity Corner. Thank you and have a good night.